Would you turn again this evening to our text we've been looking at to Romans 8, Romans chapter 8. In our Friday sessions for the last eight sessions, I believe it is, we've been uh, talking on a series entitled The Spiritual Man, The Spiritual Man. Well, let's read our text again this evening in Romans, the eighth chapter. Uh, And let's just start back up in the chapter a little bit. Romans 8. Let's pray real quick before we read this. Father, thank you for all your blessings. Thank you for your holy written word. How wonderful it is. What a sure word it is. It's life to us and health to all our flesh. Enlighten us tonight. Quicken us with your word, the written word and the spoken word. Help us to yield to your spirit and receive all that you have for us. Give everybody ears to hear, eyes that see and a heart to receive and understand. And answer questions tonight we ask you and give direction and help just what we need. And we'll receive it and we'll treasure it. And we purpose by your grace not to be hearers only but to be doers of your word. And we know as we do we shall be blessed. In Jesus name, amen. Say it again while we prepare to read. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. In Romans, the eighth chapter, and beginning in uh, verse five, says, They that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, you could say they mind the things of the Spirit. And we spent one whole session talking about the mind. And controlling them, a big part of being spiritual has to do with controlling your mind. Keeping your mind on the right things. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. How can you tell if you've been thinking on the right thing or not? Hmm? Isaiah 26.3 says, Thou will keep him in perfect Peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusts in thee. Well, what if you hadn't been in peace? You've been frustrated, you've been vexed, you've been upset. Why would that be? You've been thinking on the wrong thing. People say, well, I can't help it. That's not true. I said, that's not true. Whether it's me or you. Did the Lord tell us to keep our mind stayed on him? Has he instructed us along these lines? Then can we do it? Even in the midst of things that are screaming for our attention. Can we focus on him? In the midst of turmoil. And if you put your heart and mind on him. Will it have an immediate and a keeping effect of peace? Hmm? Can you tell if you're staying focused on him? Yeah. Peace. Peace that passes understanding. Will keep your heart and mind. Through Christ Jesus. Keep reading. He said because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God. Neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh. 
but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Let's just stop right there. We're in the flesh, but we're not flesh ruled, those of us that are born again, and then choose to walk in the Spirit. He said, uh, you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, and if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. When you're born again, the Holy Spirit comes into your spirit. Now, that's not all the experience in the Holy Ghost that there is. There is, following the new birth, the, an experience called the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Same Holy Ghost, different dimension. In fact, I won't get into detail about it. Sometimes people say, well, you know, when you're born again, you got the Holy Ghost, and that's all there is to it. No, that's not all there is to it. Uh, when you're born again, the Holy Spirit's in you, but listen to the language. So many times it, when it talks about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it talks repeatedly about the Holy Spirit coming on them. Is that right? In the new birth, the Holy Spirit is in you. In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he fills you to overflowing and the overflow comes on you like a mantle for power to be a witness. Amen. Amen. Every believer, uh, every person, I should say, needs to be born again. When you're born again, you have the Spirit in you. You're born of the Spirit. And every believer then needs to be Spirit baptized. Spirit-filled. And so, well, I don't know if I believe that or not. Well, don't take my word for it. But don't just take some people's ideas about it either. Get in this book. Search it out. Amen. Amen. I was a Christian for a number of years, thoroughly saved, but had not been filled with the Spirit to overflowing. Loved God. If I'd have died, I'd have went straight to heaven. But then got a hold of the fullness of the Spirit and been baptized with the Holy Ghost, full of power, talking in tongues. With is much better. Amen. You say, well, I don't believe that. Well, do without. (laughs) But if you believe it, you can have this added dimension of him. Amen. Glory to God. (laughs) Oh, I could tell you some stories about that, but let me keep going here. Uh, He said, verse 10, if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life or alive because of righteousness. Your body is called dead right now. Huh? Somebody said, my body's not dead. Yeah, spiritually it is. And I know we don't like to think this, but the scripture says the outward man is what? It's perishing. Why? Because it's dead. Somebody said, my body's not dead. Yeah, it is. Technically, spiritually speaking. You remember the Lord told Adam and Eve when they ate of the forbidden fruit that they would die? Did they die the day they ate of the fruit? Yeah. Yeah. And because they did, death began to work. Is that right? And eventually the body died. So technically, spiritually, this body right now is dead. It's dying. I know that don't make you happy, but it's a fact. (laughs) But here's the good news. Our spirit is what? Alive. Alive. We're not aging on the inside. (laughs) 
we're actually being renewed day by day. The Bible said you'll never be any older spiritually age as far as, you know, aging than the day you were first born again. Now you should be developing and growing and actually becoming stronger and wiser and more developed, but not a day older. And how many understand, you know, sometimes people talk about God and they think in their mind, they see God sitting on the throne and he's sitting on the throne and he's got long white beard and white hair. He's old. No, he ain't. (laughs) I said, no, he's not. You see other descriptions. The Bible said from his loins down, he's fire. From his loins up, he's fire. There's no old in him. And one of these days, and it won't be long, what happened to our spirit is going to happen to our body. Our body's going to be, in a sense, born again. Never again to age. Glory to God. No more wrinkles. No more hair falling out. We'll finally have a body that can keep up with our spirit. Glory. Aren't you glad? Yeah. Somebody said, I'd take it right now. Well, yeah, I would too, but <laughs> that's not what we have right now. He said the uh, body's dead because of sin, but the spirit is alive because of righteousness. We've been made alive in Christ and made righteous. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken Your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwells in you. That's what I just got through saying. Only better. If the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Does he? Then he that raised up Christ's physical body from the dead. He will also quicken our mortal bodies. That has a twofold application. First and foremost... Our body is dead technically and it's aging and it's perishing and enough time passes and the Lord doesn't come, it will die. All that means is we slip out of our body and go to be with Jesus. Amen. We didn't die. The body did. But the Lord, the same thing that happened to the Lord's body is going to happen to our body. Boy, he's got a body now. He can travel from heaven to earth without a spaceship. He went back and forth. We have record of it. Walked, went through doors and walls. Didn't he? Different appearances of glory. One time look a little bit like this. Another time look a little bit differently. Glory was on him. And also could eat. Boy, when this body's changed, we're going to find out some things. Amen. We'll be zipping around here and there and having fun and not getting tired. No aches, no pains, no problems. Aren't you glad you're saved? Keep reading. Verse 13. If you live after the flesh, what will happen? There's death in walking after the flesh. But if you through the Spirit do mortify or kill the deeds of the body, you will live. Now see, walking in the Spirit is opposed to walking in the flesh. 
and vice versa. If you walk after the flesh, if you follow the flesh, if you keep your mind on the things of the flesh, it works death in your life. If you walk after the Spirit, so what does that mean, Spirit? It means two things. It means the Holy Spirit, but it means your own Spirit. He is in your Spirit. And one way you follow Him is by following your Spirit. Because He leads you through your own Spirit. Following your Spirit, being mindful of the things of the Spirit, produces life. And peace. How many want life. In your life. (laughs) Life. Full of life. Oh glory to God. You know some people are enjoying life a lot more than others. Did you know that? Whoo man. We were talking to some people a few weeks ago. Some business transaction. They didn't know us. And a few things came up here and there. And they knew we were ministers. And finally the lady looked at me and she said. Boy, it sounds like you guys have fun. I said, yeah, more than you know. More than most. God knows how to live. Amen. Amen. Sin is not fun. Oh, yeah, there might be a temporary pleasure, but boy, it leaves a bad taste afterwards and it kills you. But following God, he'll give you the desires of your heart. He'll bless you beyond your wildest dreams and imaginations. Pay you a lot more than you're worth. Work-wise, so good to you. Amen. Amen. He goes on to say, verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Now, did you notice how that worked into this? Being mindful of the flesh or mindful of the Spirit. Walking after the flesh, walking after the Spirit, and he winds up with being led. Now, we talked about... You know, how to control the flesh. We gave you, I think it was seven principles to controlling your flesh. And we talked about controlling your desires and and overcoming carnality. And just basically, a spiritual man or woman is in control of themselves. In control of their flesh and their mind and their mouth and their temper and their emotions. A fleshly person is not. They just yield to feelings. A fleshly person will just say whatever crosses their mind and then realize how much they messed up later. A fleshly person will just get mad and blow off and then go, ah, you know, I shouldn't have said that. Well, a spiritual man is going to be in control and realize if I say that, that'll hurt them. If I do this, it'll mess that up and that's not right. And even though they feel that way, they'll control themselves and not do it. On the other hand, Spiritual man knows that you're supposed to walk in love. And even if somebody's done you wrong, you might feel like slapping them. But in your heart, you know you should bless them some way or another instead. And you can do the right thing even though you don't feel like it. A spiritual man or woman does not operate by feelings. You have feelings, but you don't let them run you. To let your feelings run you, to let your emotions run you, to let your temper run you is to be weak, spiritually weak. We want to be strong spiritually. Amen? 
A strong man or woman spiritually can be just almost raging mad and you not even know it. Did you hear me? They control it. And I don't mean just hold it inside until it eats their insides up. Just not yield to it. Deal with it and get over it. Quick. Sometimes people say, well, you just got to let all that out. No, you don't need to let it in. (laughs) Oh, come on, just let all that out. You know, just blow off the steam. That's being carnal. That's just yielding to the flesh. I've seen 50-year-old men pitch a temper fit like a three-year-old. Have you? It's pitiful. I've seen 40-year-old women stomp. And rant and rave like a child. You know why? Because they are a child spiritually. Spiritual baby. I'm talking about if they're born again. Now sinners, we're not so shocked if they act like that. Right? But believers, Christians, we ought to see better than that. But if you don't grow, if you don't develop, you just yield to your flesh. So, let me say it again. Spiritual people... By the grace of God, by the word of God, by their faith, are in control. The more spiritual you are, the more you have it together. You know? The more, I mean, we talked about, uh, you know, controlling our bodies, didn't we? If I'm really in control of this body, it ought to be the size and shape I want it to be. If it's not, why not? Why am I not in control? A spiritual man or woman's going to be in control of their finances. Hmm? Not just impulse spending and get into something and do dumb things and foolish things and sign away their life on the dotted line to 109 easy payments. Get yourself in such a mess and then come back hollering, the devil's just been attacking my finances. No, honey, he laughed while you messed yourself up. Most people don't need much help from the devil messing themselves up in their finances. Everybody say in control. In control. control. Somebody say, well, God's in control of my life. Well, that's only to the degree you allow him to be. Only to the degree you yield to him. And see, that's what we're talking about. Walking in the flesh means yielding to the flesh. Walking in the Spirit means yielding to the Spirit. Yielding to the Spirit means being Spirit-led. Spirit-led versus flesh-led. We just read uh, in Colossians just a couple of days ago. Turn over there and look at it. Colossians. No, excuse me. It was Philippians, the third chapter, right before we got to Colossians. Philippians 3 and verse 19. He's talking about individuals who were carnal and even ungodly enemies of the cross of Christ. This is, excuse me, uh, 3.19. Philippians 3.19. He said their end is destruction and their God is their belly. Well, then that'd be belly led. How many in here is belly led? (laughs) I saw a few hands. Do you want to be belly led? Stomach led? 
Huh? But we're finding different ways to say the same thing. Some people are money-led. A lot of people are money-led. You know, so much ministry is money-led. If the money ain't there, they're led not to go. (laughs) Oh, boy, I'm laughing about stuff I know. (laughs) I mean, it's all, you know, it's all fine and good to say noble things. You know, well, I, money don't matter to me. I just go wherever the Lord says. But it's amazing how many times when the money ain't there, they feel led not to go. But you know, it's a fact. You can if you'll obey the Lord. We've been to places where we went in the hole. And the very next place was half their size and gave us twice the money. You know, the Lord will take care of you if you'll follow him. But somebody said, yeah, and that's the way it ought to be. Well, not just with preachers, friend. It's supposed to be that way with you, too. People think there's this double standard, you know. Yeah, preachers ought not be money-led. Well, you ought not to be either. I'm going to say that real slow. You ought not to be money-led either. Hmm? Well, if it don't make money, if it don't make a profit, I ain't going to do it. Then you are profit-led. And I don't mean Old Testament profit. I ain't doing it. If I ain't making money, I ain't doing it. Well, then you are profit money led. There are times you need to do things and it's not about money. Right? It's about getting the job done. And if you're not making enough on it and you are doing what he told you to do, he will make it up somewhere else and more besides. But you do understand, I mean, this is all fine and good talk, but you understand that most of the world is money led. Stomach-led, money-led, desire-led. But we want to be what? Come on, tell me again. Now, we want to be spirit-led, like Jesus, like our master. Go to Galatians, please. Galatians. And the fifth chapter. Galatians 5 and verse 13. He said, for brethren, we have been called to liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Are we free? Have we been set free? Free to yield to the flesh? No. No. By love, serve one another. Not free to yield to the flesh. Not free to act any way we want to act. Say anything we want to say and just... Yield to every, our bellies and our feelings. We're free to serve. Free to serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one another. That was our first session that we studied in the book of Corinthians about how the first thing he mentioned about them being unspiritual was that they were in strife. He said, you're carnal. Because you have this 1 Corinthians 3. Because you, you're in strife and envy. And that's one of the biggest telltale signs that somebody is a baby Christian and that they're carnal is that they're always fussing and fighting with somebody. And they say, well, I can't help it. They won't act right. Well, <laughs> that doesn't mean you got to get into it with them. No. 
I'm going to say, well, I have to. I'm not going to be anybody's doormat. I'm not just going to let them walk over me like that. I'm going to say something. you got to stand up for yourself. Uh, what scripture is that? Where is that verse at? Thou shalt not be anybody's doormat. Where is that at? you got to be a man. Stand up for yourself. If you don't, people just walk all over you. What verse is that? Where is that at? Hmm? Second imaginations. <laughs> okay, let's keep going. <laughs> Our third flesh. Yeah. He said, verse 16, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other. So you cannot do the things that you would. But if you be what? Led of the spirit, you're not under the law. What's that got to do with walking in the spirit? Same thing. What being spiritual is being spirit led. One of the simplest ways to describe it. A carnal person is belly led, eye led, feeling led, emotion led, which just means flesh led. A spiritual person is spirit led. This is a great truth. He said, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How can I keep from being belly led? How can I keep from being lust-led? How can I do it? Walk. How do I walk in the Spirit? Be led by the Spirit. Now here's what we've got to do. We've got to identify the leading of the Spirit. Have you ever seen it? When your flesh is wanting something that it's not supposed to have, did you? Were, have you ever been aware on the inside of you, something telling you, don't do it? Huh? No, that's not what you need to do. Can you tell the difference between your spirit and your flesh? How can I keep from yielding to the flesh? Yield to the spirit. Follow this and you won't do that. If you're busy obeying God, you won't be sinning. Huh? If you're praying, you ain't watching the wrong thing on TV. If you're reading your Bible, you ain't gossiping about somebody on the phone. You want me to back up and go over this real slow again? (laughs) This is important tonight. How can I keep from being carnal? Be led by the Spirit. Everybody say, led by the Spirit. If I'm led by the Spirit, I'm walking in the Spirit I won't be belly led. I won't be lust led. I won't be money led. Spirit led. Everybody say spirit led. Glory to God. The Lord's helping us tonight. I know that he is. Let me give you some things that spirit led is not. And then some things that it is. Sometimes it helps you to know what something is by knowing what is not. For one thing. I'm going to give you four of these. A, well, no, I'm, I'm moving a little bit too quick. Go to John 2 and let me 
read you this verse and then we'll, this will mean more to you. This is a big subject. John 2. I'm going to give you tonight from the word, the Lord's given it to us, the key to miracles. And I, I, you don't hear me use that kind of all-encompassing language all the time. But this is a fact. You want miracles in any area of your life, here's how you get them. This is the story of the first miracle in Jesus' ministry and how he did it, how it happened. It was the turning of water into wine. You remember that? A miracle. I said a miracle. An amazing thing. You know that they ran out of wine. And uh, Jesus told them to go fill the water pots up with water. And they filled it up with H2O. And then he said, take some of that out and take it to the feast. And when they took it and put it in the cup, it took faith for them to do that. You know? Because, I mean, uh, these are servants. And, you know, at this point, being a slave, it's a lot better to be a slave in the house than to be out in the field or something else. And this would be a good way to lose your position, wouldn't it? And if the governor of the feast spits water all over the table and says, what is this? Well, you could be in big trouble. But by faith, they did what the Lord said. And he said, man, this is good wine. Most everybody saves the, the bad stuff for the end. You saved the best to last. How did that happen? It was changed on a molecular level. A miracle. I said a miracle. God can change livers on a molecular level just as easily. Can he? He can do all manner of miracles just that easily. But here's the key. When they told him about this, Jesus' mother leaned over and said, you know, they ran out of wine. And he said, my hour's not yet come. And verse 5, here's the key to miracles. I said, this is the key. This is the key. How did this miracle happen? It's right here in this one verse. So simple a three-year-old could understand it and do it. Here's the key to miracles. Jesus, excuse me, his mother said to them, whatever he, talking about Jesus, whatever he says to you, do it. That's how you get miracles. It's no harder than that. I said, it's no harder than that. Whatever he says to you, do it. Two keys here, wrapped up in one. Hearing him and doing what you hear. But the first step is what? Hearing, Hearing him. Hearing him. Whatever he says to you, do it. We've had miracle after miracle in this church, haven't we? I mean, I don't know if you know it or not, but some of you do, some of you don't. I mean... Uh, there's no other men and no organization backed us to come do this church. And we didn't have all the money piled up to do it either. And miracle after miracle financially has happened. Miracles. You know some of them, but I'm telling you miracles. I mean, the first part of this deal, the first step we took to do this deal before you guys even knew about it. Some of the money I needed to take the first step wound up being wired to my account 10 minutes before I needed it. That's how close it was. Miracles. We didn't ask anybody for anything. 
But why am I saying that? How come? How do you get the miracles? If we'd have sat there in Tulsa where we were, we would have got the miracles. No. He said, come up here and do this. We were able to hear that. And it took some faith to do it. Took faith to leave what you know and do it. But we see miracle after miracle. And every time you hear him and say, I'll believe that. I'll step out. I'll obey. You're going to see miracles. Hear him and do it. Miracles. Now, let me say this. What is a leading? What is not a leading? Four things that are not a leading. A needing is not a leading. I said a need. A needing. I need this. So I'm going to do it. A needing is not a leading. Well we need this bad. So we got to do this. No just because you need something. Doesn't mean that that's the leading of the Lord. Yeah but we need it. Yeah but is that what he's leading you to do? You know one reason why so many times. People have so much trouble financing their projects is because he never led them to do it it was a need yeah well it's a need it's a big need in the earth yeah but did he lead you to do that you're not the only one that could do that you're not the whole body of christ just because it's a need doesn't mean that he's leading you to do it and take care of it are you with me Friend of yours needs money. Does that mean you automatically give it to them because they need it? What about if they asked you to? (laughs) See what I'm saying? What if it's a family member? Well, they're family. No, the answer is no. You're to be the money you have, the Lord gave you. Right? You're to be a good steward of it. You're to be led with that money, with family, just like you are with non-family. A lot of people hadn't learned that. And there's a lot of people that have let their kids and their grandkids impoverish them. And rob them of resources that they should have done other things with. There are times when you need to say no. Hmm? So I say, yeah, but you could do it. You got the money. God's got the money. Well, why don't he do it? You got to believe him. You must obey him. There's a lot more we could say about that. But is a needing the same as a leading? No, it is not. Now, there are times when the Lord lets you know about a need and he will lead you to do something about it. But you follow the leading, not the needing. Hmm? And there are numerous cases where you'll see people, they don't look like they need it, but the Lord leads you to do something. Follow the leading. A needing is not a leading. Secondly, a wanting is not a leading. Wanting, like a desire. Oh, I want it. I want it so bad. That's not a leading. You need to be able to discern the difference between what you want At what you're being led to do. Jesus prayed in the garden. Don't you remember? If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Did he want to do that? No. 
But he came back and said, not my will, but your will be done. If you're going to be aware of the Holy Spirit, if you're going to be spirit led, you must be objective. When you get in the floor and you pray and you say, Lord, lead me in this. Show me what to do. In order to be sensitive to him, you must be willing to hear something different than what you wanted to hear. If you're not willing to hear it, then you're closed. I said, you're closed. Because the Lord knows. He knows your heart. And the least bit of unwillingness will obscure you, make you dull to him. It'll harden you to him. It'll be between you and him. And there are some things in life that are hard on your soul. There's been a number of things in my life over the years that, you know, I wanted to do. And I couldn't talk the Lord into it. (laughs) But you know, he will let you do what you want to do is the problem. He's not going to make you do what he wants you to do. He's not going to keep you from doing. If you decide to do it, you can do it. You won't be blessed. It'll be hard on you. You'll find out the hard way. There's a few things, you know, he let me do. I didn't get him to tell me it was okay, but, uh, you know, I said, well, he didn't tell me I couldn't do it. I'll just say, I think it'd be all right. You know how people sometimes go in and pray about it. They've already made up their mind, you know. Yeah, yeah, I want to do it, but I better pray about it. So they go in the room, pace back and forth, you know, run, die, shun, die, untie my bow tie. It'll be okay. Yeah, God says fine. They never heard from God. They weren't willing, weren't open to hear anything else. Especially concerning relationships. You take, you know, people dating and things like that. And if you really want to hear from God about whether they're the right one or not, you got to be willing for him to tell you no. Did you hear me? And that may be hard on your soul. Somebody say, yeah, but we're in love. It has to be right. No. You can be in love with the wrong person. Now, you should be in love with the one you marry, but just because you're in love with somebody doesn't mean that it's right. Are you with me? And if you want to have God's best, you have to be led by his spirit. And in order to be led by him, you have to be open. You have to be just like the master. Lord, I, you know, I, this is not what I want, but not what I want. What do you want? And finally, the he realized there ain't no other way. This is what he wants. And as awful as it was, he committed himself to it. He's our example. Right? There are some things in life that are not easy. Obeying him. And there are some things in obeying him, it seemed like it cost you everything. But it's only a seed sown. In the end, there will be great reward. In this life and in the next. I said a wanting is not a leading. Thirdly, a reasoning is not a leading. A reasoning is not a leading. Anybody remember Proverbs? It's uh, Proverbs 3. It says, trust in the Lord with what? All your heart, that's your insides, and lean not. To your own understanding. 
A reasoning is not a leading. So many times I've had people try to convince me of something. They say, well, you know, yeah, but you know, so-and-so this and so-and-so this. And it's just logical that we ought to do that. That's reasoning. That's not a leading. Hmm? It's just reasoning. Use your mind. I don't mean just be mindless. Use your mind. Find out what you can find out about the situation. Find out, do some research on some things. Look at some things. But in the end, how do you make your decision? Not based on facts. Because there are times the Lord will lead you to do something and it doesn't seem reasonable. Huh? It doesn't seem logical. But he knows facts you don't know. And he knows the future. A reasoning is not a leading. And fourthly, a feeling is not a leading. A feeling. What I mean by that, I mean an emotional feeling. I mean a physical feeling. People put out fleeces. They say, well, Lord, if you want me to do this, then let three red trucks pass by my house in the next hour, and I'll know this is you. Somebody said, what's wrong with that? A lot. The enemy is in this world. He can influence some things. Did you hear me? Somebody said, well, Gideon put out a fleece and it worked for him. Gideon was not even born again. You could, under the Old Testament, you couldn't tell him, well, Gideon, be led by the Spirit. He didn't have the Spirit in him and on him like we do. No, putting out fleeces is not for the New Testament child of God. Nowhere in the New Testament do you see anybody putting out a fleece. We're not told to put out fleeces. We're told to be led by the Spirit. That's being directed and led internally, not externally. Everybody say internally led. Well, Lord, if you want me to do this, then open this door. And if you don't, then shut it. That's not New Testament praying. Did you hear me? Mm -mm. That's being led by stuff that happens out here. Do not be led by things that happen out here. If you do, let me say it like this. Don't be led by opportunities. Hmm? That's not being led internally. Well, you know, we have an opportunity to go do this. Well, that's not a leading. No, I've got a lot of opportunities. I've got a notebook this thick of invitations for this next year. Hmm? I could never see you again for the rest of the year. <laughs> Africa, Asia, Hawaii, Jamaica, London, Italy, France, you know, all the states. <laughs> we need a big airplane to take all the off. <laughs> And you know, letters from some pastors in Africa saying, man, if you'll come, we have 200 churches that we'll hook up with you. And we'll have a big crusade. Some people in Romania got a thousand churches under them. We'll hook up together. Some of them say, well, that's God. That's an opportunity. That's not a leading. Hmm? What is a leading? Inside. A witness of the Spirit. As many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. If you look up that word son, it has to do with those that are maturing. 
You see what a big part of growing up spiritually this is? Spiritual babies are not spirit-led. They are led by fleeces and, and feelings and everything else. But people who are maturing and growing up spiritually, they're not making their decisions based on feelings or reasoning or opportunities. They've learned how to get it in here. Amen? Spirit-led. So I said, what do you mean about this opening the door and closing the door? Well, listen. Opportunities. If you have an open door and it's an opportunity, you don't just need to blare through it. You better stand there and ask the Lord. Now, Lord, I could do this, but is this you? You want me to do this, even if it's open? What if it's a closed door? What if it seems like I can't get through? Don't just assume you can't do it. Stand there and ask the Lord. Am I supposed to go through here? If you are, you stand there and knock and believe God that that thing opens up. Amen. Hmm? Right? Don't be led externally. Now I'm going slowly and I'm taking a lot of time with this because millions of Christians are trying to be led by external things and they're missing it. Right and left. Aren't they? Well, I prayed and I had a feeling. You know? Now we use the word feeling loosely. And sometimes people can be talking about a witness when they say, I just feel that I should do this or that. But really, it's not a feeling. It's not a physical feeling. And it's not an emotional feeling. Really, a better word would be, I have a sense. Talking about a spiritual sense. I have a proper term, New Testament would be, I have a witness. That's not technically, that's not a feeling. And yet, people use the term feel. I just feel like I ought to do this. And we know they don't mean a physical feeling. They mean they got something inside. But I've also heard people say, well, boy, you know, I just had goosebumps. And I, you know, I just, I had a hot flash. I had, don't be led by hot flashes, cold flashes, no flashes, goosebumps, right? None of that. None of that. Not led by feelings. Go back to Romans and I'm getting ready to start to close. Romans, the eighth chapter. What is a leading? Let's remind ourselves. What is a leading? Say it out loud with me while you're turning. A needing is not a leading. A wanting is not a leading. A reasoning is not a leading and a feeling is not a leading in Romans the 8th chapter and verse 14 Romans 8:14 for as many as are led by the spirit of god they are the sons of god we could say it like this they are maturing ones they are spiritual ones Spiritual people are spirit-led people. Carnal people are flesh-led, belly-led, lust-led, money-led. We're not that. We're spirit-led. Verse 16. Let me read 15 too. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You've received the spirit of adoption. Or that literally means sonship. Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit itself, or as a lot of modern translations say, Himself, 
bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Let's go back to the most basic. When you get born again, do you have a witness that you're born again? Huh? How many of you, when you got born again, then afterwards you knew you're born again? How'd you know that? Is it just a physical feeling? Now, it can affect your physical feelings. Is it just an emotional thing? Now, it can affect your emotions. What is it? Sometimes you hear people say, I just know that I know. And that is a correct term. It's a knowing. I said it's a knowing. Not based on what you learned with your head. It's a knowing based on supernatural spiritual revelation. Something that was revealed to you, made known to you. You know it. Sometimes don't even know how you know it. But you know it. It's a witness. Sometimes the language in the, and if I had time, I'd go into this more detail. But for instance, in the, do you have time? I hate to rush over this. Go to Acts then. 15. We talked about what a leading is not. What is a leading? A leading is a witness. And the witness is also a knowing. And not a mental knowing. A spiritual knowing, a knowing on the inside of you. You just know it. That's how Phyllis and I, how did we know we were supposed to go to Bible school years ago? I had no vision. I didn't see an angel. I didn't hear an audible voice. I didn't go because somebody prophesied to me that I should go. Over a period of weeks and months praying about it. We both of us came to the place where we knew we were supposed to go. And if something's right like that, the more you pray about it and the more you seek God about it, it gets stronger in you and stronger in you. We were actually going home from, uh, you know, reviewing the campus of the place that we went and we were quiet, just quiet for a long time. Finally, Phyllis spoke up. She said, did you ever know you're supposed to do something and you didn't really want to do it? I played dumb. I said, huh? What? <laughs> what you talking about, girl? Because <laughs> I had the same thing. And, you know, we're talking about leaving everybody we knew and everything we had. And I am so glad we did. I had, no, I had not a clue what God had planned for us. And we're just in the beginnings of it. And the same thing when we made the decision to come up here. How did, you know, I didn't come because somebody prophesied to me to come. Somebody said, you don't believe in prophecies? I believe they should be judged. I do believe in them. I've prophesied to people. I've been prophesied to. But I do not make decisions solely based on somebody's prophecy. Never have, never will. Did you hear me? I check out prophecies by two major things. Number one, The written word of God. If the prophecy disagrees with any part of any verse in this book, I do not receive it. I don't care who said it. And number two, I check it out with my own spirit. If it was the Holy Spirit coming through them, that's the same Holy Spirit that's in me. And I should recognize it. And if it's right for me, I should have a witness about it. While I'm hearing it, I should have something coming up in my spirit going, yeah, 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 that's right, that's right, that's right. When you hear a prophecy and you go, huh? (laughs) 
Huh? That's the thing you don't receive. Did you hear me? Scripture says, my sheep know my voice. Right? Prophecies, all prophecies should be judged by those two things. Written word, inward witness. Now, uh, in the 15th chapter. Man, I'm just trying to preach everything tonight. The Scripture says... When the whole council came together to meet concerning the question of the Gentiles keeping the law and all like that, this is how they decided something that was splitting the whole church. This is how they got direction from God. Verse 25 of Acts 15 is how they came to the conclusion of what to do. Acts 15:25. What does it say? It seemed good to us being assembled to send chosen men to you and what they were going to do in verse 28 for what it seemed good good to the Holy Ghost and to us now you'd have to add to the scriptures to say that they heard a voice or they had a vision how did they get direction from God how were they spirit led about something that was potentially splitting the whole church It seemed good. Another description of the inward witness. Where is your seamer at? Somebody said, boy, it just, have you ever heard somebody say, I knew I shouldn't have done that. It just seemed, you know, seemed like I shouldn't have, why didn't you listen to that? Where is your seamer at? When you say it seemed good, you're not talking about you reasoned it out. You're not talking about you felt it in your body. When it seemed good, it's a spiritual sense, isn't it? A sense on the inside of you. Everybody say, it seemed good. good. And when something's right, don't be led by external things. But the more you pray about it and the more you check your heart, it just seems better and better. And you just, you know, praying about Brant's and that kind of thing. It didn't start out overwhelming. But the more we thought about it, it just seemed like we ought to come to Branson. We didn't know. We didn't hear a voice. But it seemed like we should. And we got up here and looked around. And no burning bush. No audible voice. But it just seemed like we should. And there are even a lot of things that told us uh, you probably ought not to. But trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean to your own understanding what you can figure. And I had a couple of evenings with a calculator that didn't make me feel good. I'm going to know what I mean by that. The numbers didn't bless me. (laughs) But we're not to be led by numbers. Let me give you some great advice that a man of God gave me one time. I was in Brother Copeland's office one time. We're talking about some things. And he said, Keith, he said, if you're led by money, you'll miss it again and again and again. Don't be led by money. Don't be led by how much it costs. Be led by how it affects the anointing. And boy, there's a whole realm of things to think about there. But there's been so many times that we get to looking at something, well, this costs this amount. And if you're not careful, you think, well, yeah, but that costs this much and this costs that much. If you're led by money, by how much it costs, you will miss it again and again. It's not about the lowest priced one. It's about the right one. Did you hear me? 
not always about the best deal. It's about being led. Don't be led by money. Be led by him. Spirit led, not money led. Glory to God. In Acts, the 20th chapter, just this one phrase, and I think we're done. This just re-says something that we read in Romans. Paul is talking about how that the Holy Ghost has been showing him some things and witnessing to him some things. And he called the leaders of the church together and had a meeting with them. And in verse 23 of Acts 20, Acts 20, 23, he says the Holy Ghost has been what? Witnessing in every city. This was through other people and in him, telling him that bondage and affliction was waiting on him. Now, just stop right there. Did he say, oh, well, I shouldn't go then? Huh? No, that wasn't the leading. He said, but none of these things, what? Don't let anything move you except the spirit. Not money, not need, not feelings, not family. You know, some of Jesus' closest friends, they were closer to him probably than his own blood family. Lazarus and Mary and Martha. You know, they sent for him and pled for him to come because Lazarus was sick and he didn't. Remember that? In fact, they were really upset with him when he finally did come three days later. And they said, if you'd have been here, if you'd have come when we called you, he wouldn't have died. Are you supposed to be led by the Spirit instead of a panic call? Huh? Instead of a panic call. Now, I know I'm taking some extra time, but friend, this helps some things right now. And the Lord will always have us ready for anything coming up. Well, this is a huge need. We got to do it. That's not a leading. Yeah, but they're desperate and we got to do this. Can you see the strength of Jesus? They said, come on, come on. You got to hurry up. He's dying. He said, well, would you stay here? (laughs) Huh? Would you stay here? The next day, ain't you going to go check on Lazarus? Now, would you stay here today? Lord, they said he was critical two days ago. Where we go? Now, we just stay here today, another day. But he was always at the right place, at the right time, with the right word. Amen. 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 With the right results. Yes. He's my hero. Yes. Is he yours? Yes. He's who I'm following. He's who I want to be like. Amen. Paul winds up by saying this. He said, verse 25. He said, none of these things move me. I don't count my life dear to myself that I might, verse 24, I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I've received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that you all among whom I've gone preaching the gospel, you will see my face no more. How'd he know that? How'd he know? How could he stand there and say, you know, standing here talking to you right now, I know that I'm never going to see your face again. He didn't know all the details about him going to jail and all the things going to Rome and all the things. He didn't know all that. He might have had a glimpse of some things. The Lord told him he's going to stand before kings, but he didn't know the details. He's walking by faith like us. But how could he stand there and say, I know this. I know you and I are not going to talk face to face like this anymore. This will be the last time. How do you know? Because we got somebody inside us who knows the future. 
who knows everything about everything. And he, the scripture says, he will show us things to come. He'll teach, he'll bring to our remembrance everything the Lord said to us. He'll teach us and lead us and guide us into all the truth. One of the biggest parts of being a spiritual man or woman is being aware of the Holy Spirit inside your own spirit and yielding to Him and following Him. And when your flesh says, I want to do this, and the Spirit inside says, I shouldn't do that, then we go with this. Put the flesh under and say, no, I'm going to walk in the Spirit. You walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, if we were be led by the Spirit all the time, we'd never make a bad investment. We'd never make a wrong alliance. We'd never make a wrong decision. We'd never go to the wrong place. Did you hear me? If we'd be spirit led. Glory to God. Stand on your feet. Say it out loud with me. The Holy Spirit lives in me. He lives big in me. I'm not flesh led. I'm not stomach led. I'm not feeling led. I'm spirit led. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Just close your eyes for just a minute. Wait on him and just focus on who lives on the inside of you. The greater one, the same spirit that was in Jesus and on Jesus, the same spirit that raised him from the dead, that spirit is in you. That same Holy Spirit that led Jesus to the places he was supposed to preach. That gave him the utterance of what he was supposed to say. That showed him who to minister to and how and where and when and every detail. That Spirit that led Paul, the Apostle Paul and Peter. That same Holy Spirit that told Philip, go down and join yourself to that chariot. That same Spirit lives in you. You can be spirit-led just like they. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Once again, just lift up your hands and thank the Lord for he who lives inside of you. Thank you, Lord. How thankful we are. Oh, I'm so thankful. Thank you, thank you. I'm so thankful that you've given us the comforter. You've given us the mighty, great helper. He leads us. He guides us. He helps us. Oh, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Pray this out loud with me, Father God. Help me to be more aware of your Spirit in me than ever before. Help me to know the leadings of the Spirit, the teaching of the Spirit, the direction of the Spirit, the warnings of the Spirit. Cause me To become increasingly aware of Him in me and teach me how to yield, how to follow completely in Jesus' name. Praise God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.